Um, today's a special day because we are going to take some time to learn about and pray and reflect on a core value of ours here at Crestmont Alliance Church. A number of years ago, God gave us a vision uh, to get onto the long, hard road of becoming as diverse of a church as our zip code is diverse. And, you know, people have asked me, does every church need to be diverse? And my answer is always the same. Um, it needs to reflect the community that it's in. Because if it's not, then it means that there's people who are being overlooked in the mission, whether that's been intentional or not. Um, they've been overlooked in the mission. So from time to time, we take the opportunity to look at this issue biblically and to enter into it in prayer and to keep praying and seeking until we reflect our own community and the 15001 zip code. And so we have our special friend, special friend, I don't know if I've ever called you that. I meant to say good friend or something. You're right. Take it how you want. Um, our, our good friend, uh, Herb Bailey, with us this morning. Herb is the ministry director um, at Uncommon Grounds Cafe in Aliquippa, a ministry that um, our church has been connected to uh, relationally for a number of years now. And I just so appreciate Herb's voice and heart on what we're going to be talking about today. But before he comes up, let me just tell you a quick story. The reality was, uh, in the context in which I grew up, where I went to school and the neighborhoods I grew up in, nearly everyone, not everyone, but nearly everyone was coming from the same background that I had come from, both in terms of class and of race. Now, I didn't choose that. I was born into it. But nonetheless, that's the reality of which I grew up in. It really wasn't until college, when I went to college and I was part of a much more diverse student body, and when I went to um, the north side of Pittsburgh, my first two summers in college, I worked on the north side as a college student, it was the first time I really had the opportunity to really have um, meaningful, long-lasting friendships with people who were significantly different than me in background. And God started to unearth all of this stuff in me that I didn't even know was there. Um, I think in the kind of conversation that we're engaging today, it's very easy just to become defensive and dismissive. But what I want to encourage you to do today is to keep your heart soft and to listen. Because when you allow that, Jesus can go even deeper into the places of our hearts that, that we didn't even know was there. So um, I remember I had a, a friend um, who was working with me at the summer day camp program on the north side. Our families are still close friends. We've taken a couple of vacations together. And my friend uh, um, was starting a ministry on the north side of Pittsburgh. Um, my friend was African American, and I remember thinking as this friendship was developing that I wasn't sure I had ever gone so deep with someone who was different than me. And uh, there was comfort to ask questions and to have hard conversations. But I remember one day he came to me and he said, he said, hey, um, I'm working with a homeless person on the north side, but they're from Aliquippa, and you know people from Aliquippa. And he said, I'm wondering if we can connect this homeless person to a church um, in Aliquippa. And um, I was not yet on staff at Crestman. I was just working at this organization during the summer. It says, is there a church we could connect them to? And here's how I answered the question. I said, yeah, there's a number of African-American churches in Aliquippa. And then he paused me. 
He said, uh, he's like, they're white. And two things happened in that moment. First of all, I realized that when my friend said homeless, I'm just talking honest, the picture that popped into my mind was someone who had a different color of skin than what I had, which makes no rational sense statistically. But that's what happened, right? A certain picture came into my mind. And then I just started to play out the church script that had been given to me that we worship with people who look like us, right? And I was referring this person who I assumed the color of their skin, and then I referred them into the category that I felt like they belonged in. Now, you might say, well, Joel, you didn't mean to do that. You didn't mean to you know, hurt his feelings or say anything inappropriate. And you would be right. I didn't mean anything, and that's why it's all the more concerning. Because you see, every culture, every part of our nation, every part of the world has strongholds. And friends, I don't have to tell you that in Beaver County, this is a stronghold. If it's not, then where are the diverse congregations? And see, it would be wonderful if the history of our nation and all of the heartache between groups of people stopped at the church doors. But the way our churches look and act very often shows that we've become a lot like the cultural script that we've been given. And friends, whenever that happens, we begin to depart from the gospel. I'm glad to be journeying with all of you um, on, in this place of seeking breakthrough and reconciliation as a church. And we're not there yet, but we're as committed to it as ever. And I'm so thankful for all of you, no matter who you are, for how you've come along in this. So, Herb, I want to tell you in front of everybody, you are among friends. Everybody, say this with me. I want you to say this to me. Herb, Herb. you are among friends. Speak your heart to us. Don't hold back. Uh, Amen. Don't know about that. <laughs> not about the don't hold back, but uh, I, I know you do. All right. Good morning. I'm excited and nervous. Anyone else here nervous? Just a little bit talking about reconciliation. Just okay. A few of us. A couple of us. Good. Well, I uh, hope that, um, that by the end of this, we're a little more nervous, but not about the situation, but about our relationship with God, and we do something about that. Amen? Uh, so let me pray. Father God, thank you uh, that you have delivered us uh, from a life of sin. Thank you that you have promised us eternal life. Thank you that you gave your son so that we would have not only a model, but the words, and not only the words and the model, but the Holy Spirit that has been promised to us to guide us, to comfort us, to heal us, to unite us, Lord. I thank you for your gifts, Lord. We don't deserve them, but we get to have them. Thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I want to bless you all with both uh, my confession and my repentance. Uh, I am a believer in Jesus, a follower of Christ, and I'm uh, connected to a great cloud of witnesses. I'm part of the Bride of Christ, uh, and I'm part of the universal Catholic Church that finds itself rooted in the Lord and goes all the way back to Adam, Adam and Eve, and the Old Testament heroes. 
I stand on the shoulders of the 12 disciples who uh, walked with Jesus, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, the brother of John, John, Philip, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, Thomas, James, the lesser, Matthew, the tax collector, Simon, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot. I stand on the shoulders of great theological fathers like Ignatius of Antioch, Polycarp of Smyrna, Justin Martyr, Arrhenius of Lyons, Clement of Alexandria, uh, Origen of Alexandria, Athanasius of Alexandria, Tertullian, Augustine of Ahippo. I stand on the shoulders of historical Christians like Jerome, who translated the Bible into Latin. Martin Luther, who nailed the 95 Theses on the wall that moved us into Protestantism. Reverend Albert Benjamin Simpson, you should know that name. He's a founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance. Reverend Wilson Carlisle, he founded Church Army in 1882. C.S. Lewis, prolific author and apologist. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., leader of the Civil Rights Movement uh, until his death 50 years ago. I stand on the shoulders of the likes of my uncle, Reverend James Bailey, who worked in jail ministry and was all about reconciliation, bringing people who were lost and marginalized back into life. He baptized me in a kiddie pool in his basement. It wasn't big enough. <laughs> I stand on the shoulders of Joseph Israel Nofsinger, who discipled me right in my own living room using the Voice of the Martyr material. I stand on the shoulders of Michael Bragg, who took me to church where they laid hands on me. I got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. I stand on the shoulders of the men and women who fight against watering down the gospel and accepting less than the best that God has for us, who God has called us to be as a people. And at the same time, within that same timeline, I'm part of the Christian church, the body of Christ, that condones slavery, segregation, lynching, redlining, police brutality, genocide, abortions, homosexual marriage, denial of interracial marriage, protesting funerals, and many other evil atrocities. And for those atrocities, for that sin, I repent. I'm implicit in that. And the reason I say I'm implicit in that is because as a family of believers did, so did I. We are part of one body. We are the body of Christ. And we can say, well, I'm not like those Christians. But the fact is, that's our family. We're all part of the same body. and We've done damage to our body. So turn with me, if you will, to Romans 12. Hopefully you brought Bibles because these are not up on the screen on purpose. I want you to see this in black and white in your own hands in front of you. Are there pew Bibles? Do we have pew Bibles in here? You got pew Bibles? Okay, there's almost no excuse. Maybe you didn't bring your glasses. You know, that might be a reason. Can't read, that might be a reason. 
you're blind, that might be, think of reasons why you would be. All right. Romans 12, verse 3. That's where we're starting. When you get there, say amen. amen. If you're not there yet, say hold on. All right. All right, that's all. I'll take a hold on. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. It's the word of the Lord. Let's look uh, at what Paul said in verse 5. Tiny print, that's the reason why I put it there. So though, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. What I want to do this morning, I want to begin to unravel this line of it wasn't me. I didn't do that. I was never a slave. I want you to know that I'm only 46 47 this year, I was never a slave. Uh, I grew up, both my parents are college educated. I never lived in the projects. I could be prideful if I wanted to and say I never worked fast food restaurants. I could be prideful and say that, but I did work fast food, so. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up under the thumb of society. I grew up with privilege. And so I understand at some level privilege. I understand that my parents took me on trips that other people didn't get the opportunity to go on. I got to sit. I was given intelligence, and so I was in a Latin club, and I was on the debate team, and I did forensics, and I was in advanced-placed English, and blah, 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 blah. And I did that stuff, right? And I was given, I, I, stumped, I stuttered as a child. And I had to uh, go to a speech pathologist and learn how to speak so that I didn't stutter. So whenever I get really nervous, I stutter. I'm not stuttering now, am I? Good. So that gave me the ability to elocute efficiency, efficiently. See, now I'm stuttering. <laughs> I have, I, I am me. I am one person who represents the entire body of Christ. You are individuals, but you represent the entire body of Christ. There was a time in our history where there was a church service similar to this, and in the basement of that church service, there were slaves being held. The same body of Christ. Does that make sense? We're implicit. That's us. So even if we didn't 
own slaves, if I never said the N-word, if I never, whatever it is, fill in the blank. If you're a Christian today, we didn't do what God called us to do. Does that make sense? That's different. I know that's different because it's easy. I can scapegoat like, well, I wasn't there, so I didn't shoot Dr. King. Why are you mad at me? I don't know. I, I didn't tell you that you should have, uh, uh, everyone should get paid the same. Why are you mad at me? I'm just living my life. My wife's, Ita- where is she? my wife's Italian. Her family didn't even own slaves. They weren't even here. They immigrated just like a bunch of other people after slavery. But we still get looks. Right? Like, oh, you're... Okay, go back to the notes. <laughs> Let's look at another scripture. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. Verse, I'm going to start at verse 12. Help me, Jesus. And while you're turning, I just want to say that we belong together. That is God's design. That is his hope from the beginning. That is his purpose from the beginning. That is intention. That is his intention from the beginning, that we would be together. And that's it. That's the whole point. That's how we do reconciliation. We go, okay, God, what did you say? Let me do what you said. Let me just do that. Forget what I want to do. Let me do what you want to do. That's just, I mean, it seems simple. Like, that's the entire, I can sum up the entire sermon in that statement. God, what did you say do? Okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> the end, thank you very much. Let's have a time of prayer and worship and we're done. I could do that, but because, you know, you have an expectation, I'm going to, all right. Just shorten it up, just in case you needed to take Cliff Notes. That was it, Cliff Notes version. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the be, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts Yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker weaker are indispensable. And of those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member of the body suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. 
we have consumed and become drunk on the Kool-Aid of individualism. We have fallen into the trap and believe the lie that we don't belong to each other. We are an interdependent body of Christ. If my brother over here has a busted up leg, my leg might as well be busted up too. Right? If my brother is homeless, I might as well be homeless too. If my brother got a new job, my sister got a new job, I got a new job too. I don't need to be jealous of her. I should be rejoicing with her because if she succeeds, we all succeed. That's a whole different concept that we don't hear from the TV. We don't hear from the movies. But that's the gospel. There's this video that I ran across uh, two weeks ago that I want to play. I have seen all kinds of Dr. King videos. Uh, but this video kind of shook me a little bit. And I, I feel like you guys are mature enough to handle this video. So if you could play that, that's, is that enough time to lead in? <laughs> what is it about the Negro? I mean, every other group that came as an immigrant somehow, not easily, but somehow got around it. Is it just the fact that Negroes are black? White America must see that no other ethnic group has been a slave on American soil. Uh, that is one thing that other immigrant groups haven't had to face. The other thing is that the color became a stigma. American society made the Negroes' color a stigma. America freed the slaves in 19, I mean 1863 through the Emancipation Proclamation of Abraham Lincoln, but gave the slaves no land or nothing in reality, and as a matter of fact, to, to get started on. At the same time, America was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that there was a willingness to give the white peasants from Europe an economic base and yet it refused to give its black peasants from Africa who came here involuntarily in chains and had worked free for 244 years any kind of economic base. And so emancipation for the Negro was really freedom to hunger. It was freedom uh, to the winds and rains of heaven. It was freedom without food to eat or land to cultivate, and therefore it was freedom and famine at the same time. And when white Americans tell the Negro to lift himself by his own bootstraps, they don't, they don't look over the legacy of slavery and segregation. I believe we ought to do all we can and seek to lift ourselves by our own bootstraps. But uh, it's a cruel jest to say to a bootless man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. And many Negroes, by the thousands and millions, have been left bootless as a result of all of these years of oppression and as a result of a society that deliberately made his color a stigma and something worthless and degrading. Cruel jest. I'm glad he said it, not me, because if one member suffers, we all suffer. And he's saying millions have suffered. And we too, unwittingly, unconsciously, unintentionally, are also suffering. 
Dr. King famously uh, stated a truth of our time, which was true during his time as well. He said, at 11 a.m. Sunday morning, we stand as the most segregated hour in this nation. But there is research that has been done right now that suggests that the white evangelical thinks the things that they think about the Bible, the Holy Spirit, the laying on the hands, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, healing, the literal interpretation of the Bible, the truth of Scripture, the importance of church attendance, and, uh, and are theolog theologically conservative, it's the same on both sides of the divide. We believe the same thing. We believe the Scripture, the Bible, is the, this is the Word of God. You should be in church. It's the same stuff. We believe the same thing. Those are our brothers and sisters. So why is it so hard? Last passage, Revelation 7. We read it this morning in a responsive reading. This is a vision that John has of heaven. He said, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, and people, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and with plain of palm branches in their hands, and crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is a vision of heaven that John has. Every nation, all tribes, people, and languages focused in one direction, saying the same thing. You guys know the Lord's Prayer? The disciples were excited about Jesus, had seen him pray. He'd been up on the mountaintop, and he said, and they said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so they said, uh, so he said, this is how you need to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, you're not going to join with me? I'm going to start over. You're not supposed to join with me. Like, I, I thought you knew the prayer. Y'all like, no, I ain't praying it. Might be a trick. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -mm, stop. What did we just pray? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What did we just read about heaven? Every tribe, tongue, nation, and people crying with one voice. Salvation belongs to God and to the Lamb. This is God's design. This is what God wants. This is his ideal. He's saying, hey, this is what it should look like. This is heaven on earth. We want heaven on earth. We pray that I've been praying it my whole life. And when God said, Herb, I want you to see this. This is what heaven looks like. It's everybody. Children and everything. Everybody. All together. Worshiping God. Together. There's this lie that a friend of mine says, and I love him, 
loving the pieces. And he says, I don't see color. And I'm like, bruh, Jesus does? Are you better than Jesus? Because uh, Jesus said every tribe, tongue, people, and nation around the throne. That's heaven. Together. That's heaven. They will know we are Christians by the way we segregate. That is not what it says. They will know we are Christians by our love. And so I want to give you this, and this is a stinging part, stinging part. Are we willing to admit that we are not doing what the Lord has asked of us? That's the question. Are we willing to admit that? If we know what the prayer says, we know what heaven looks like, we know that the Great Commission says everybody should hear the gospel, are we saying, mm, I'm not going to share the gospel with you, or mm, no, I don't think so? Because if we are, what we're saying is, God, I don't think so. That's who we're talking to. It's not our brothers and sisters. When, when David sinned with Bathsheba and he was confronted, in Psalm 51, he says, against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned. A woman lost her child, lost her husband, lost her home, her way of life, and God was the one who was sinned against first. So what I want to suggest today that, is that racism is a heresy. Racism is a heresy. A heresy defined as holding of religious beliefs opposed to Christian doctrine. So how many of us here have recognized our own heresy? Can we just be honest for a minute? Take your time. Any heretics in the room? That's hard to swallow, but swallow it, we must. If God is telling us that he is inclusive and we choose to exclude people based on their ethnicity, color, uh, heritage, we are saying no to God. But the fear of the Lord, that's where wisdom comes. That's where wisdom comes. So, hey, let's go, let, let's, let's stop being afraid of what might happen to us and be more concerned about getting some wisdom from God. God, I want to fear you, God. What are you telling me to do? Let me walk in your shoes. Let me walk in your way. Lead me in the steps of righteousness. We have an opportunity to say yes to an eternal perspective that is invitational, that is inclusive, and that's intentional. We have to be intentional. We cannot think it's just going to happen. Because some of us can go to work go to the grocery store and go home and never see someone of a different culture. Some of us can live our entire lives and not have any interaction with someone of a different background. And I want to posit for you that there is only one race. It's human. We have ethnicity, ethnicities, we have uh, diversities, we have different cultures, different backgrounds, different languages, but we are all one people. So do we have, and I've asked this question before, but do we have an eternal perspective? 
Are we looking at eternity for our role model? Are we looking, bless you, at eternity for how we should get things done right now? Are we living in eternity right now? Because if you are saved, if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you are already living in eternity. This is as close to hell as you'll ever get. This is it. This is as close to hell as you'll ever get. Well, I'm having a hell of a day. That's okay. That's okay. It's going to get better. Amen? It's going to get better. This is the worst it's going to get. My man said, my man, my man Turk said uh, he had an accident. Y'all don't know. He had an accident a few days ago. And he was like, the worst thing that's going to happen is I get to go see Jesus. Right? That's the worst thing that's going to happen. He gets to go see Jesus. That's the promise. That's the future is that we are free. No more tears, no more pain, no more death. I'm looking forward to that. I'm not rushing it, but I'm looking forward to that day. His plan from the beginning is that all of his children would come together and worship him because salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We are better when we see our brothers and sisters of a different culture as just that. We see them as having value. We see them as having value because of what Jesus has done. We see them as valuable to him, therefore they're valuable to us. Not to exploit, but to love. So my prayer this morning, Lord, give us eyes to see who you love and love them the way you love us. Forgive us and empower us to be all that you would have us to be, to cast fear back where it belongs. Lord, give us this patience to seek our family and speak to our family about our other family. Give us your Holy Spirit that unites us into one body. We know that Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but you have come to give us life and life more abundantly. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, feed, let us feed on you and be encouraged by your example. Amen. Letha, we're not going to use this, so you can take it down. Here's what just what I feel in my heart as we close. I'm going to have you stand in just a moment. <clears throat> just a moment. Just wait. See, they're ready. <laughs> okay. Um, the stuff you've heard this morning, if you've been journeying with us at Crestmont for some time, then you've heard this message given in different ways. And the reason we don't want to stop talking about it is because we're not there yet. You know, I'm so grateful that God is making us a more diverse community. But we have a long way to go. And I'm in it to the end, church. I'm in it to the end. Um, I've shared this from time to time, but right after um, Jim and I started co-pastoring here, um, now probably eight or nine years ago, I had a dream. And... Um, we were worshiping and the presence of God was so thick in the room. I knew that God was in the room. I woke up from this dream so aware of the presence of God. But there were certain things in that dream that were very different than from how our church was in the present eight or nine years ago. And here was one of those things. The group worshiping 
was incredibly diverse. And I just felt like I got some of God's heart, you know, in, when he spoke in that way. And I didn't have to have a dream to see his heart. Herb just showed God's heart in scripture, right, on this matter. Friends, the gospel does affect the way that we advocate and the way that we stand up for people in social and political realms. But I also want to tell you this. This is first and foremost not a political issue, but a gospel issue. Don't let the world tell us that this is their issue. This is the church's issue. Reconciliation is a gospel issue. I do believe it pains the heart of God that we have not led in this way. But just because things are a certain way one day doesn't mean it has to be that way forever. And God can do a new thing. Um, As Herb was speaking to us, I just kept hearing a question come into my heart. And it was, do you want this bad enough? Um, Because, friends, it is going to require sacrifice. It is going to require intentionality. It isn't just going to happen. There will be things we have to change, things we have to course correct on. Some of that has already happened in the last 10 years. But God's going to keep asking us more. I believe there's a blessing when God brings us together in unity. There's a blessing in it that he wants to know, do we want it? Do we want his vision? So here's what I'm going to ask you, and there's no pressure. I just think there's a moment in prayer for us as a church. In a moment, I'm going to dismiss you, and if you need to go, go. There is no judgment at all. But I'm wondering if there's some people here this morning who are willing to say, I want to stand before God this morning, not just as an individual, but on behalf of Crestmont Alliance Church, not in an individualistic way, but as a church community. I want to stand on behalf of this local congregation and say, Lord, I want it. I want it bad enough. If there's only a few of us here, we'll pray, and we'll pray on the behalf of the rest of you. That's okay. But I know that this burden has been coming on some of you. Like a heavy blanket, you know, when God's vision when his heart stirs on us, there's almost a pain in it sometimes, a heaviness, because it comes on us as we're looking at what is not yet and we yearn for it. Um, there's a kind of yearning that begins to rise up in us. It's like that blanket has come on some of us in a fresh way this morning. Um, so if you need to go, go, but I'm going to call you up just to have a moment of, of prayer. And if you're willing to say, not just as an individual, but on behalf of our church, I'm going to stand before the Lord and say, God, we want to see this through. We want to see you change this about our congregation so that we can reflect you uh, truthfully and uh, holistically to our community. That I'm going to ask you to come up and stand. I was, I was in an amazing meeting earlier this week at our sister church, Allegheny Center Alliance Church on the north side of Pittsburgh incredibly diverse congregation. And uh, for 11 years, there was no ethnic diversity in their congregation when their lead pastor got there. But as a church, they kept praying and they just kept saying, we want it, we want it, we want it. Now, I bet they're the most, one of the most diverse congregations in our region, certainly. And, and recently God has opened up, this is why I was in the meeting, has opened up doors into refugee, new refugee and immigrant populations in Pittsburgh. Um, all kinds of new populations of people coming to our doorstep. 
And uh, we're getting invited into that story too, by the way. I don't know what it's going to mean for us, but invitations are happening. We're getting invited into these stories. And uh, I asked one of their pastors, I said, how did this all start? And she said, we met for three years and prayed before we ever met one refugee. But God had put this on our hearts. Now they're ministering to just hundreds and hundreds, thousands of refugees in the Pittsburgh area. So prayer is our primary work, right? That's where it starts. Okay, so I know I had talked to some people about how we were gonna close the service and now I'm throwing all that out the window. I just wanna focus on this, on this one thing, all right? So if you'd stand to your feet.